0: We start a new series today. The new series is entitled, I Am. The I Am series, and it's looking at several I Am statements that Jesus made in His ministry. And this first one in particular today, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we're going to look at that here in John chapter 6. Before we read from the Scriptures, I do want to take a moment to break down a few things that you're probably going to notice or see as we're reading. The first is there's going to be a reference to something called manna. And manna was something that in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness... And Moses was leading these people. They needed food every day. And God promised to provide that food in two forms, quail and also something called manna. And it was this almost dew-like substance that would settle on the ground, and then they could go and collect this, and it was actually bread. And so these people lived off of manna, In the wilderness. So, when we reference that here in this passage, that's what we're referring to when the Israelites were fed by God each day by something called manna. There's also going to be something here in this passage that's taking place, and it's these people who had just been fed by five loaves and two fish, this crowd of people. The Bible says 5,000 men, so add in their families. It was thousands of people that the Lord fed through somebody's lunch. The miraculous had just taken place, and these people had their physical needs met. They were hungry, and God fed them. I don't know if you know this or not, but in my life, I can be hungry and then I can eat... And then wouldn't you know it, I can get hungry again. Now, I don't know if you're like that or if that's just me, but within 24 hours, they're coming back. They're hungry. And one of the things you're going to see here that is a bit confusing for these people, their minds, their needs are very physical. They want food. They want to see God do something spectacular in front of them physically and so they're thinking on physical terms they're thinking on natural terms meanwhile jesus is thinking and speaking on a supernatural term he's speaking into the spiritual and here's what happens they're all in this physical realm if you will and the things that jesus is saying are going to go right over their head almost to a point where it starts to get a little bit weird. When Jesus is saying some of these things, they're stuck in the physical realm, and they're like, this guy is getting a little bit odd. And what he's saying is so intense that they actually start to leave him. And this crowd that gathered for Jesus to give them something to eat starts to depart because they just can't quite comprehend and understand what Jesus is saying. The other thing to note is that I'm going to reference the Word, the Word of God. And I, I need you to understand that the Word of God is two things. It's Jesus and it's the Scriptures. And so today when we reference having the Word of God in our life, it's Jesus and it's the Scriptures. So I lay that groundwork. We're going to dig into this passage, and I think you'll find these conversations very interesting. So but before we get into the Scriptures, let's pray and invite the Spirit to come and speak into our hearts and lives. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this new series. And Lord, to look at the statements that you made as you declared about yourself. And today we we settle in on John 6, and we look at, how you claim to be the bread of life. And as we walk through this passage, I ask that your spirit would bless and anoint this time and that our hearts would be ready to receive from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, John chapter 6, verse 22. Remember, he just fed thousands of people, and the Bible says, the next day, so verse 22 The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized that Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. Now they found him on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, When did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. He's given him the authority. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be thir- or hungry again. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one "...of all those He's given Me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is My Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day." Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because He had said, "...I am the bread that came down from heaven." And they said, "...Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know His father and mother. How can He say that I came down from heaven?" But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. As, the, as it is written in the Scriptures, they will all be taught by God, and everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen Him. And I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Okay, this is where it starts to turn. Jesus says this bread is my flesh. Now if you're thinking in the physical terms, this is where it starts to turn a bit of a corner. The people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You cannot have eternal life within you. Can you imagine the 12 disciples standing there with Jesus and being all about his teaching and preaching and the miracles, and then he whips out, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're like, whoa. We gave up quite a bit to follow this guy, and now he's pulling this stunt. The disciples that followed Jesus closely even Struggled with this, but Jesus says, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread. Will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but instead they'll live forever. And he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life, and human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going also to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. Quite a bit there in that passage. And now here's where we're going to start to break this down. I started this message by telling you that the Word of God is Jesus and the Scriptures. The Word of God that we're talking about here is also the bread of life. And so we understand that God's Word is the bread of life. And I want to break down for you in this passage a few things that we can respond toward in regards to the bread of life and the first one is this you and I we should pursue the bread of life we should pursue the Word of God in our life this is a bit of a two-way street here and Jesus highlights this several times about God the Father drawing people to him but yet also people needing to come to him. Verse 37, Jesus says, those the Father has given me will come to me. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them. 45, everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. And then verse 65, people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. Now, this is kind of a loaded topic. We're going to walk through this a little bit, but we're also going to come to a conclusion that there's people that have different views about this passage, but they must agree on one thing, and I'm going to give you the one thing. But we see in this passage Jesus saying, people can't come unless the Father draws them. I want us to understand this very clearly. God pursues people. If you're not saved, I want you to know this. God is pursuing you. He's pursuing you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's pursuing those who don't yet know Him. And I'll just ask this question. How many of you that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can remember that moment that you got saved? Okay, if I'm talking to you right now, have you ever sinned after you received salvation? Okay, yeah, that should be all of us, right? Guess what? When we wander from God's truth, when we start to stray a little bit from the fellowship and the relationship that we can have with Jesus... God is pursuing there as well. God pursues people. He's drawing people. And He does this by His Holy Spirit. When Jesus sort of introduces the Holy Spirit in John 14 and then again in John 16, He mentions that the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to do three specific things. He says He's going to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that's in John 16. Now, I'm going to break that down for you. That word convict means to convince. The Holy Spirit convinces people of sin, and this is what this means. At some point in our life, we have to come to an understanding that I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus Christ in my life for the redemption of my sin. And the Holy Spirit brings people to a place where they realize, I need Jesus. I can't do this on my own. I can't get to heaven by my own works. I need Jesus' perfect, sinless life and His death on a cross, His shed blood, to cover my sin. I need Him. The Holy Spirit convinces people of their need for Jesus. So that means before the Holy Spirit lives inside of somebody, if you're saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives in you. But before he takes up residence, he's working in unbelievers' hearts to understand they need Jesus. And he's drawing people in. The Holy Spirit convicts or convinces of sin and also of righteousness Meaning that when I receive Jesus Christ in my life, I am covered by His righteousness. His blood covers my sin. So that's what I said earlier. When you receive salvation and then you make a mistake or you screw up or you step into sin, by God's grace, you're still covered by the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit convinces you of that. When you mess up, one of the things we do is we go, man... I've screwed up so much I can't be used by God anymore. But the Holy Spirit comes to convince you, no, that's not how this works. Your standing with God is not based on what you do. It's based on what he did. And Jesus gave his life for you, and his perfection can cover you when you put your faith and trust in him. So when you screw up, guess what? God's grace is there to help pick you back up again. Now, understanding that the Bible talks about cheap grace to where we go, well, if I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, then I'm just going to go do whatever I want then, right? You know, I said the salvation prayer. I have him in my heart. I have the eternal life ticket, if you will. And now I'm just going to go do whatever I want as long as I have this little assurance of salvation in my hand, in my pocket. Almost like a license to go do whatever you want to do. The Bible says that if you're living that way, it's like you're crucifying Christ all over again. It's cheap grace when you look at what Christ has done for you in that way. I'm covered, so I'm going to go do whatever I want. That is not why Christ died for you. He died to redeem you of your sin, but then to also have you living holy lives, set apart for His kingdom, for His purposes. And the Holy Spirit convinces us of that righteousness that we have because of what Christ has done. Not because of what we've done, but what he's done. And he also convinces, so sin, righteousness, and the last one is judgment. And when you see that, you think, oh, man, I'm going to be judged. Look, if Christ is in your life, the judgment for sin has been taken care of. He took that judgment to the cross. And that wrath and that judgment for sin, it's upon people's lives until they are covered by the blood of Jesus. And once Jesus enters in to the equation, that judgment is no longer. And the Holy Spirit, what He does is He convinces us of the judgment that's upon Satan and the enemy. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm guessing most of you do. Jesus won the victory on the cross. And that means that you can have victory in your life too. And when we make mistakes or we don't feel like we're adequate in the kingdom of God, the enemy beats us down, but the Holy Spirit comes to convince people, no, victory is yours in Jesus Christ. Quit walking around defeated because the victor is present in your life. Grab a hold of that. Stop the pity party. And get working in the kingdom of God because great victory is needed for other people that are around you that God has connected you to. They need victory in their life. And if we walk around defeated, I'm not transferring victory to anybody. All I'm transferring to people is pity. But victory is ours and the Holy Spirit convinces people of the great victory that we have. So back to the point of God pursuing us. There's a little bit of an overtone here that God chooses people, and it's those that he chooses that get drawn to him. Okay, and we start to tip into a little bit of a a theological understanding of what would be called predestination, that God chooses those that come to him. Now, there are people, if I'm just going to draw a line down the aisle and say there are some people that believe in predestination that God does choose and those he chooses are the ones that receive salvation. And then there's another camp that says, I just can't quite embrace that based on what I'm seeing in Scripture as well. And so we have great people that don't agree on that. Okay? What I want to emphasize, that no matter which position you hold, bottom line, the Holy Spirit is the one who draws people into a relationship with him. Whether you believe God chooses that or you believe that we're sort of, at that point, have a free will in the matter, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings people to Christ. And I just proved that to you with John chapter 16. He is the one that convinces people of their need for Jesus. This is what this means. That when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, there were great people who kept telling me about Jesus and planting those seeds in my life. But I want to tell you something The Spirit was the one who was leading all of that. He was the one using those people to bring me to a place where I realized I needed Christ in my life. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to the Lord. The second thing today regarding the bread of life is that you and I, we need to partake. We need to partake in the Word of God I mean, these folks didn't even know what they were saying when in verse 34 they said, Give us that bread every day. Did they even realize what they were saying? They're like, We're hungry. Give us that bread every day. But Jesus says, Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, they'll live forever. And he says, This bread that I offer is my flesh. And in verse 57, Anyone who feeds on me. We know Jesus was not being literal. If you start eating my flesh and actually drinking my blood, we've got a bit of a cult now, and people are going to think you're weird, and we're not that kind of church, okay? Let's just throw that out there. Jesus was giving us a figurative picture. People need to feed on me. There's nourishment in that. In the physical sense, I'm guessing all of us have probably at least one meal a day. You know, some people, it might be more than that, whatever it might be, but I would guess that some of you, and maybe even right now, you're like, you know what, I'm kind of hungry. And if you go for a longer period of time without food, your stomach can growl, right? And then even you can growl, and you get a little bit of an attitude, and you've heard that phrase, hangry, you're like hungry and a bit angry at the same time, and you get something in your system that sort of brings you back to life. You've seen the Snickers commercials, right, where they're acting out of line and they're being a little bit kind of like a diva, as they would say, and then they have their Snickers and then they're back to normal. Like, somebody get that guy a Snickers. Hey, we know in the physical realm we need nutrition, we need nourishment, and Jesus is saying in the spiritual realm, listen, some people are starving themselves to death. These people said we want that every day. That's the nourishment we need off of the Word of God is that time with the Lord. And we talked about this in our Sunday school class that sometimes we can rush through that. How many of you have ever eaten a meal so fast that when you get done you're like, did I even eat? Okay, some of you with boys at home know exactly what I'm talking about. But we can do that with the Word of God. I got my verse today or I buzzed through that chapter but I didn't really eat. And so we don't spend that time that's necessary each day in the Word of God, and we suffer because of it. It's important for us to partake. Now, this last point here I think is really cool. As I was preparing this message, I'm like, Lord, I need a word for this last point. And the Lord gave me the word before I even saw it in the Scriptures. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes I've gotten sermon titles before I even know what I'm breaking down. And I love how the Lord does that. And I'm in my office, and I get this word, produce. It's important for us to produce the word in our life. It's important for us to produce this bread of life. These people, when they came to Jesus, they said, we want to perform God's works too. And I want to tell you something. If you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you can perform God's works because the Holy Spirit is flowing through you. But these people, when they said that, we want to perform God's works too, that's at the beginning of this story. And then when Jesus sort of calls them up to a higher standard and says, this is what it looks like to follow me, they start leaving him. Verse 66, at this point, many of his disciples, they turned away and they deserted him. When Jesus starts to call us up, There's going to be a division of people who are willing to step out and follow him, and people are like, that's too big of an ass, Jesus. I'm out now. I want to do God's works. I want to be involved. I want that purpose. I want to produce. But if you're going to call me up to a higher standard, I'm out. And Jesus even looks at some of these guys that are the closest to him, and he says, are you going to leave too? God does call us to a high standard. And God did not save us to be people that don't get involved in the kingdom. He saved us and redeemed us to then be involved in the kingdom. If you're sitting here saved just so you can have eternal life, you're missing a huge point of life with Christ right now. You're walking through life without the bread. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is what this passage tells me. There are things that people go to, that people feast on, that don't truly satisfy in life. We run to all different kinds of things. And let me tell you, COVID has actually emphasized that. People run to all these different things, but They're missing the most important thing in their life that they should be feasting on. And Jesus gives us priority of all the bread that you could eat. I'm the true bread. He says that several times, which tells me He needs to be a priority in my life every day. The true bread. Is he a priority? So there's several things to respond to today, in regards to what we've been talking about. But a moment ago we talked about producing, and we're just going to have a little bit of a a faith community church family. We're we're stopping the car right now, okay? Um, And we're going to have just a conversation, okay? I read an article through the COVID season that said churches that will either thrive or just simply survive is dependent upon the amount of people that are volunteering in your church. Okay? Part of producing God's Word is serving in a capacity in which God has designed serving opportunities. Listen, you can serve in the kingdom without serving in your church. Don't don't hear that the only way you can serve is by serving in your church. You can love your neighbor. You can serve your neighbor. Okay? You can be a blessing in a lot of areas in the, in the vocation you're in. All of that can happen without the church. But one of God's special designs for people to get engaged and involved in his kingdom is the church. And for us to thrive in the kingdom here in this area, we need to step in and be involved and for the last several weeks I've been throwing out in the midweek emails and the preview emails these are areas that the children's ministry needs in order to operate ministry again and we clapped and we cheered it's been five months since we've had kids church it's awesome to get that ministry going again but do you realize that we're operating at half capacity right now we need people that God has gifted that God has wired to serve in the kingdom now is not the time to step back and say, well, I hope it gets figured out. Perhaps the Spirit is speaking to you and saying, oh, I'm calling you to help figure it out. Our children's ministry staff has been reduced in half from where we were back in March. Isn't that, does that alarm us at all? We're not necessarily leaning in, family, and we need people. And right now, we chose to operate with Kids Church the best we could today But I want you to know, right now, with where we're operating, we may end up only operating Kids Church every other week because we don't have the staffing. And Faith Club needs help. When we launch on the 23rd, they have roles that need filled. And I stop the car for a second here and just say, if you're willing to help us press forward through this awkward, awkward season, please Talk to us. We need your help. Not just in children's ministry, but in youth ministry. Talk to Pastor Lance and all the things he's trying to work through as they relaunch today with Ignite. Moving forward and ministering to these kids. These are vital things. And if you feel like the Lord is telling you to step in in that area, please come talk with us. Talk with Jane or Jeannie. We need the help. That's just a moment there as a family. I lay that out and just ask that the Lord would help us in that because these ministries are important. They're vital. Variety of areas for us to respond, but I want to make sure we all understand this response right here. The bread of life brings salvation. There are some people who are eating all kinds of things But they've never tasted and seen how good God is. They've not partaken in the bread of life. Jesus says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that Jesus can give. He says, believe in the one that the Father has sent. He says, it is my Father's will or my Father's desire that all who see his Son Jesus believe in him and should have eternal life. And he says in verse 47, Anyone who believes has eternal life. Earlier in this message I said that sometimes the things we've done, the mistakes we've made, cause us to think that God doesn't want a relationship with me. But I'm here to tell you, based on what I see in Scripture and what I brought to you today, the Holy Spirit wants to convince you that God does want you. But before we can come into that relationship with God, we have to settle the issue of sin in our life and say, God, I'm going to give that up, and I'm going to make you a priority in my life. And the way we're going to end this message is just simply with this question, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Is there something that He's saying to you right now? And if there's anybody that's listening, that maybe the Holy Spirit right now is convincing you of that relationship with Jesus, I want to lead you in that prayer here in a moment. And so as we settle our hearts into this time of response, let's go to prayer and ask the Lord to search our hearts. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank You that You are the bread of life, that You bring this abundant life into, into our hearts, into our life right now, and You also give eternal life. Lord, help us to respond favorably toward Your Word today, to pursue You. James 4 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to You. So help us, Lord, to draw near. Help us to partake daily in the Word and the bread of life and help us, Lord, to produce, to be involved in the kingdom of God, not just standing on the sidelines. Glad that we're saved, but we're really not doing much with it in the kingdom. Help us to jump in and get involved. Holy Spirit, show us where that might be and how that could look. And right now, Lord, we want to open up An opportunity for anyone to receive Jesus into their life if they're living without you in their life right now. If you desire Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today, I ask that you'd pray with me this prayer of salvation. Simply pray this in your heart right now and say, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. Realizing that I'm a sinner and that I need Jesus. I'm convinced that I need you in my life. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I ask that you would forgive me. Cleanse me. I confess this to you now. Please come into my life. Make me new. help me to live for you from this day forward thank you for this gift of salvation that I receive today by grace through faith in Jesus Christ thank you for this right now with every head bowed eye closed if there is someone right now that you desire to receive Jesus Christ in your life and you just prayed that prayer of salvation, would you just simply let me know, Pastor Russ, I prayed that with you today. Would you just simply lift your hand? I'm the only one watching right now saying I prayed that with you. Anyone at all? Father, we thank you for your grace, we thank you for eternal life that comes through you. We ask your blessing upon our walk as we partake in the bread of life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So I just want to uh, take a moment that if there was anyone that prayed with me to receive Christ today, we want to equip you with this resource that's called now what it's designed to to walk people through these initial steps, these first steps in their relationship with Christ. This resource is available at the Welcome Desk with a free Bible. You're welcome to take that with you. And also, if you're joining us online, you can find that um, at the link provided there on the screen and also in our comment section.